Hi and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on Article 20 of the Augsburg Confession. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osher. All right, welcome back for our second episode on Article 20 of the Augsburg Confession and its apology. We didn't say that last you didn't, time. You missed it, we but missed I missed it, it so Please I did not keep us. you accountable. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> you could spend uh, the next, I don't know, 20 minutes reading both the uh, the confession and the apology uh, for this section. Yeah, after a series of shorter articles, the yeah. last five or six articles have been incredibly short. This one really expands. It's 39 lines or paragraphs long. Uh, it's well worth your time, yep. but, but it really brings to the fore that ev- everything in, with, and under this article, to use Lutheran terminology, is all about nuance. It's all about uh, confessing correctly yeah. a number of other doctrines, right. uh, and, and if you cut out any of those legs of that chair, you're going to tip over. Yeah, and, and we were talking last time about the relationship between justification and sanctification, uh, pointing to Christ, uh, flow everything fro- flowing from Christ and to Christ, and uh, yeah, it, coming from the place of having that assurance of salvation that uh, in Christ uh, everything has been paid and, and given to us and and where do we direct our good works you know to our neighbors vocation and it's again the doctrine of vocation is not only about us loving our neighbor but it is also the way that god loves our neighbor through us yeah. and it's this whole idea of service and, and adam you brought up last episode colossians 3 and about do everything uh, as for the Lord and not for men. And, and again, the modern American Christian way of doing that is that we Christianize everything we do. You know, yeah. th- that was the whole point of all of those those booming Christian t-shirt industry in the 90s. You know, we wanted to <laughs> we, Christianize culture. Yeah. We had Witness Wear Wednesday at my youth group. There you go. Yeah. And you had the... Or Christian shirts to school. You had the Reese's peanut butter cup shirt that yeah. said Jesus. And you had the Crest toothpaste shirt that said Christ. Built Lord Tough. Built Lord Tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had instead I of... I missed those. Yeah. yeah. Remember, remember No Fear t-shirts? Yeah. And I had a God. Fear, Lord's gym. The Lord's gym. I had one of those that I actually, I actually worked out in. Um, Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Um, Yes. So yeah, it's it's all those things, and and you know, I don't want to say Christian culture in and of itself is a bad thing, but but this desire to Christianize normal things is missing the point of vocation. It's missing the point of serving the Lord. Make good shoes, right? Yeah, it is. And I I think you have that issue. You have, you know, the the danger in hearing those words is do everything as for the Lord. It means like we take that sometimes as we want to get the Lord's attention. We want to, hey, God, look what we're doing for you. And that's not the point. The point is that Christ is hidden in our neighbor. When when Jesus said, you know, he calls the you know the at the end of time and he's separating the sheep from the goats and he says, uh, I, I'm I'm blending some yeah. some parables uh, here, but Matthew but you 25. get the point. <laughs> yep. The, yep. the idea is he's splitting that. He says, you you know you took care of me when I was sick, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink, hungry, you fed me, naked, you clothed me, uh, when I was in prison, you came and visited me, and and the person's like, wait, 
what? <laughs> when, when did I do that? I'm glad I did. But, but what? <laughs> Thank God. But what, what did, when did that happen? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, which means, and the, the way we, we would view that and talk about that is Christ is hidden in our neighbor. He is there. And that is how we're actually serving God. And that is not a vertical relationship thing. It's that God wants to love people. He does it through us. And in when, when it says work for the Lord, we're working for him because he's hidden in our neighbor. Has nothing to do with that vertical relationship, like we talked about last week. Yeah, in in, in Latin, the, the doctrine of vocation is described by the Latin phrase larva dei. Yeah, I and love that one. it's the mask of God, yeah. that God hides himself. Uve simonetto. There you go. He yeah. talks about that. Yeah, yeah. the larva dei. And God hides himself behind what is normal and ordinary about life so that the point of vocation is not that you're, you're piously running around doing Christian things. It's that it's happening in the everyday you know, everyday, ordinary, normal moments of life so that Christ is the one who tells us you were loving and serving me all of this time and didn't realize it. And, and so, you know, we can go back to, you know, 90s Christian culture <laughs> and, 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 and see that I would rather have a Christian artist make good music yeah. or make good films or, you know, paint good paintings rather than an artist make Christian music or an artist make Christian paintings or, or the worst of them all Christian movies, you know, because <laughs> uh, it's not good to, to be honest about creation and to be honest about the human condition and to tell, to tell redemptive stories is, is how artists serve in their vocations, you know, and, you know, and instead in the nineties, we got all this Christianization. Something is why 90% of Christian music artists in the nineties sounded like 1984 U2, you know, they were, they were copying <laughs> something the world did yeah. and trying to make it Christian. And that's not the point of good works, yep. nor is it a point of justification, nor is it the point of vocation. Hmm. Well, should we look at some scripture here to uh, kind of set the stage for discussing keeping uh, keeping this uh, distinction between uh, faith and good works? Um, I know Adam, do you have uh, John fourteen seven, uh, Jason First Peter five seven? Sure. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Yeah. So yeah. John fourteen seven says, "If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and have seen him." Yep, and okay. then, yep. uh, and that follows right after I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes right. to the Father except through me. And then First Peter 5, 7, I'm going to start with verse 6 and read through uh, 8 on this one. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Yep. And then I'll read uh, Romans ten thirteen says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's, it's this idea, again, uh, in the flow of Christianity at various times in Christian history, including the time we find ourselves right now, where we have this big box Christian, uh, you know, generic American Christianity, or what some people have called evangelicalism, uh, where, where we have lost the plot in a lot of what we do is that faith itself has become a good work. It has been something. It has become something we contribute, mm -hmm. and and uh, in a lot of Christian denominations, unfortunately, what that looks like is that faith is mental assent to a series of facts that have been presented. 
And so evangelism has become uh, an apologetics exercise about of persuasion mm-hmm. rather than of preaching the gospel. And, and the, these passages talk about that faith is much more of a, a rich thing than us simply saying, yeah, this is what happened. Well, it's James. Yeah. It's James chapter two, where we're not supposed to be, you know, I, one of our professors, I remember in seminary talked about, uh, and, and I thought this was the best definition, couch potato Christians. But we're not supposed to be, you know, the faith that we, you know, have in Christ that is given to us as a gift, that relationship we have is not alone. And that we're not, you know, that, that faith without works is dead. That's the language James uses. And he's not saying that faith kindles, I mean, works, excuse me, kindle our faith, but it's that naturally speaking, they're, they're hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin. Um, Luther talked about this and, and I know this is a little bit long, but I always think of this quote when we're talking about these kinds of things. Uh, he says, Oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing. This faith, it is impossible for it not to be doing good works incessantly. It does not ask whether good works are to be done, but before the question is asked has already done them and is constantly doing them. Whoever does not do such good works, however, is an unbeliever. He gropes and looks around for faith in good works, but knows neither what faith is or what good works are. Yet he talks and talks with many words about faith and good works. He says that as the introduction to Romans that's all about faith. You know, the nature of faith alone, faith alone, faith alone. And yet he says this, that the, the works that we do are a busy, living, active thing. I think a version of that quote also comes out of the large catechism, which is where I was thinking of it. But, you know, it's the cliche now in Lutheran circles. And as far as cliches go, I think it's a pretty good cliche. The t-shirt, the... Faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. Oh, yeah. You know? I thought you were going to talk about the t-shirt that says, Lutherans, we don't do sanctification. Oh, no, that's terrible. We do do sanctification. (laughs) We do sanctification better than anyone else. Right. And it's because we don't screw up justification. Yeah. But if, you know, we need to be careful that our confession of the Christian faith is not something that Satan could confess. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's just historical facts, even the demons know that. That's from right. James yeah, 2. James 2, You yeah. know, and, and that's where we move from objective justification, the completed historical reality of what Jesus did, to subjective justification. What Jesus did matters for me and impacts me. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, think of uh, Ephesians 2, you know, right after the the verses that we are saved by grace through faith. Uh, this is a, a gift from God, not by a work so that no one may boast. Uh, right into verse 10. You, know, you have for, been created for, for good for, works. Yeah, you've been created uh, for good works. How, how does, Is that maybe one of the most succinct places in Scripture where uh, we see those two doctrines flowing from? Yeah, and, and I have unfortunately seen that progression of those three verses, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, yeah. be used to commingle good works with salvation. Oh, and, and again, yeah. it's a matter of ordering. We have been saved, right. not because of works, but because of God's work. And then we are saved for the purpose of loving others. That what we have been created for as new creations in Christ, and that's Second Corinthians 5, 17. 17, 17 yep. We are a new creation in Christ. Yep. And our purpose as new creations is to love our neighbor. Well, in that, that Ephesians passage, you know, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Yep. And then it says, for you are now God's workmanship. So 
this gifting of this faith is actually God's formation of us for this. And, and that, that flows from it, not vice versa. It does not commingle. It is a flowing from the fact that he has granted us this faith as a gift and that that is part of his working in us or working us into the form that he wants us to be doing these good works. Which, by the way, is the same exact message that we get in Romans 6 about the salvation that was won for us on the cross and in the resurrection of Christ that is delivered to us through baptism. And then what baptism does in delivering and applying salvation to us is that it prepares us to walk in newness of life. And it kind of begs the question, but Christians don't do a good job asking this. If, if we walk as Christians in newness of life, what does it look, look like when we're walking in oldness of life? And mm-hmm. walking in oldness of life is to use our good works for our salvation, mm-hmm. to use our good works and offer them to God to impress him. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we do. We simply use our good works to love our neighbors, and then we let the, the daily habit of repentance and forgiveness that we are called to walk in in our baptism, we let that inform and encourage us in our faith. Yeah. Uh, the flow in here too, and I know, Brett, I know we were going to talk about this, but the uh, the nature of unbelief then, mm-hmm. it's exactly what you're talking about. It's a, it's a lack of confidence. It's the, it's the walking in not trusting it is going to always leave us wanting. It's going to always leave us wondering it's going to always leave us in fear and it's going to you know always be driving us to do good works to impress yep. that's what happens right. when we when we don't yeah, believe I, I think you know in it, paragraph 19 of this uh, this article says this in former times this comfort was not heard in preaching but poor consciences were driven to rely on their own efforts and all sorts of works were un- undertaken and uh, that really captures what you're saying there adam of, of just driving <laughs> it drives us into ourselves to try to uh, to do something by our own effort. I had a, um, and I think I've shared this before, maybe on the podcast, but we would take our confirmation class, seventh and eighth graders, to different places of worship. Uh, sometimes different Christian denominations, sometimes different religions. In one case, we took them to a mosque in Pittsburgh, and during that conversation, uh, we were talking to this uh, this mother and her children. Um, we didn't talk to any of the men there, but she was a Catholic growing up and she um, was you know, converted to Islam and her son was there and kept talking about what is it that we need to do? And it was like this little boy was catechizing these other children, so to speak, in their religion. And the thing he kept coming back to is like, well, how are we, you know, how do we get right with Allah then? What, what, is, the, what is the way that we, you know, what, and good deeds, good deeds, good deeds. And the question, and he was so happy, he was so excited. He wants to do good things. And he has, it was, it was very impressive in that sense. And then I said, how do you know you've done enough? I didn't say that to him so much. I, yeah, I said a little more tactfully. How do you know, little little man, how if you've done enough? No, but that's that's kind of how it was. So I said, what? How do you know the good works are good enough for Allah? And and that's no different than what we're talking about. What you just read from mm-hmm. you know from the uh, from this article here. Yeah, uncertainty or lack yeah. of insurance is death of a Christian. Right. It, it, that will eventually come back and, and kill you. You will be so discouraged right. because the point of the law is not that we will eventually be able to do the law. The point of the law is that at no point is it achievable for us to the point where God gives us credit. Right. There, there's almost like a, we need to separate for a time 
<laughs> justification is fully done, fully finished. Mm-hmm. Sanctification is never done, never finished. There's always another good work to do or to grow in. Um, well, I think I think really this is the spot when we're talking about good works and we're talking about justification, yeah. where, where Christians screw up justification kind of silently and without without consciousness is that we only count the passive righteousness of Christ uh, in the gospel. We do not count the active righteousness of Christ. And, and, and that's a really important distinction theologically. So the passive righteousness of Christ is that Christ died on the cross in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, is that he passively took the wrath of God that God poured out against our sins and it was poured out against Jesus who took our sins on the cross. That, that is part of the gospel, right? That is the gospel message. But the active righteousness of Christ that we often miss when we lack the assurance of salvation is that Christ has fulfilled the whole will and law of God for us, that Christ perfectly obeyed the law, not simply to be a perfect sacrifice for our sin, but that he gives that perfect righteousness to us at the cross. That's Luther's great exchange, right? And so on the cross, Jesus takes all of our unrighteousness and makes it his own, and he gives us all of his righteousness and makes it our own, so that even now, you who have been saved, you who are consciously struggling against sin, in justification, God looks at you and he sees Jesus instead. And that's what the freedom of the gospel is, is that at no point in time, do your good works impact justification? Ever, never, ever. Now, when we're talking about sanctification, when we're talking about the process of being made holy or even being made more holy, that is a process that exists separate from justification, but flows out of justification. So that process involves hearing the law Mm -hmm. and obeying the law, but it also involves repenting of our failure to obey the law, and it involves repeatedly hearing the gospel to comfort us. Where Where that entire process process has been upset in American Christianity is that the gospel is only given for the purpose of conversion. And the gospel is rarely, if ever, applied to a believing Christian who is struggling against sin, who is struggling against hearing the law and obeying it piously, but that is where the life is. If as a Christian, you need to hear the gospel, then the point of church is you go to church to hear the gospel because you still are a sinner. You are simultaneously righteous and sinful. Simul justus et peccator is the the Reformation Mm -hmm. Latin term that at the same time, before God, for all eternity, you are perfectly justified and perfectly righteousness. And yet at the same time, as you interact with your neighbors in your vocations horizontally, you struggle against sin, you fail to love them, or you fail to love them as you ought, and you have something you are continuously repenting for. And the missing leg of that triangle is that in repenting, we are always forgiven. We are always comforted that God always meets us with the gospel when we repent. So the point of Christianity isn't to get better at more moral behavior, yeah. which you should be moral. It's not, it's not to improve in forward progress. The point of Christianity is to be repenting and be loving your neighbor. And I think the motivation, too, aspect of the gospel there, you know, that when you hear the gospel, it's, you know, the forgiveness of sins. We need to be refreshed in the forgiveness of sins. But when we are, we recognize the freedom. We recognize the ability to go out and to love one's neighbor, you know, and that's something we need to be reminded of again and again. It's something we need to continually be brought back to is that we need to uh, 
We need to be motivated by remembering who we are, remembering our standing, remembering our relationship, our forgiveness, our inheritance, and recognizing there's nothing more for us to do here. We just continue to press on and to love one's neighbor. And then the other thing that happens is that we don't have the... Um, we don't have the desire to say, well, these people aren't appreciating me enough. Don't they know that I'm loving them like God would? Don't they understand that I'm doing this for their good and their benefit? We're not even looking for rewards from them because we're working not to please them, but to look at the reward that we're going to have in, in, in heaven, not because of what we've done, but we've already got it. Therefore, we can love freely even when we aren't loved back. And I think that's a unique thing about Christianity as well, that, that gives you the ability to, to love with a confidence that doesn't expect something in return because of how we've been loved. Yeah, amen. Amen. Uh, that's, a, that's maybe a good place to end this uh, uh, article. Any other uh, closing comments here? Yeah, just that, you know, in, in following with the Lutherans who are interacting with the Romans during the Augsburg Confession— uh, if at any point the objection comes that it is necessary for good works to merit salvation, it is necessary for them to be our credit, you can just stop there and know that what you're dealing with isn't a misunderstanding of good works, it's a misunderstanding of justification. In the, in the Lutheran mind, the reason why this confession, or this is here during the confession, at this point of the confession, is that we're always rounding things back to Christ on the cross. We're always rounding things back to justification. And it is likely if you are disagreeing with someone from a different tradition in Christianity, where the disagreement is, is on justification and not on good works. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on Article 20 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.